Welcome back to another exciting episode of Never Ending Adventure. My name is Diggity Diggity DJ Nettie P the Human. And I'm Russell Tyndall the Human. And we are here today to talk about Adventure Time. If you are just joining us here for the first time, we uh, basically sit here and talk through uh, every, potentially every episode of Adventure Time and what it means to us and what it means, uh, how, how we think it reflects on society and us as, as Finn the Humans. Potentially, but only if it's cool. I'm taking a different approach, Ned. I'm going cool this episode. Oh, you're going to go cool, a little less yeah, hype? I, I listened to, we're finally getting to, uh, oh, sorry, that wasn't cool. We're finally getting to listen to the past episodes, and I realized on the last episode, I didn't feel cool. Mm, I want to be a little more cool. If I'm DJ Netty P, are you going to be like Russell J. Cools or something? Russell J., I don't have a, I don't have a DJ name. I wasn't a DJ. I already lost it. I wasn't a DJ in college or like you were. Oh gosh. So we will, we'll divulge into that <laughs> you later. Brought it Absolutely. Up. I mean, DJ Nettie P, uh, wasn't that your actual DJ name in college? I just, when I DJed uh, parties for 20 people. Yeah. Well, it still counts. I mean, you know, you never know you at a party for 20 people, you might meet, uh, the, the one, the one you love. And I did meet my wife at a party in college. That is an absolute fact. While I was being a uh, diggity diggity DJ Nettie P spinning tracks, through the night at the Stucco Mansion. And you know what? That's cool. That's super cool. Right on. Well, we are automatically diverting at the beginning of our podcast. Today, we are here to talk about the Enchiridion. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was a great episode. I got to say, I mean, just as far as Adventure Time episodes so far, this is up there with probably the Lumpy Space, just because with Lumpy Space, I loved how I could dive in and just like, theoretically speak about a whole bunch of nonsense and act like I knew exactly what I was talking about or like there might be a theory here and there, which there may not actually be any of. Um, and with Enchiridion, this just hits so many familiar sto like story beats, like the hero's journey through and through with uh, this episode. Yeah, I mean, it really is the first time I, I think that we are spending time not just meeting new characters and meeting new environments. We truly are trying to dive into... Uh, Finn and Jake's adventuring. The show is called Adventure Time, and this truly feels like the first we are on a quest. You know, yeah. Well, there was a call to action from the from the get go. You mm -hmm. know, and and right before it, I just want to say like Finn pulls off the like like sickest. I almost said Messi, but Messi's a soccer player and would never use his hands. But like the greatest like diving catch for uh, Princess Bubblegum as she's falling out out of the tower. When the um, cinnamon roll guy, uh, cinnamon bun, cinnamon bun knocks into the tower, she falls out, and then it does this wonderful like split screen, you know, where like the like his diving and her falling come together at the final clip, and he just like snags her. And I, I just loved that scene. There were a couple of them like that this episode that I was just like, this is a cool show. I'm yeah, digging it. it's it's this one has at least like five or six. It almost feels like five or six little mini episodes within a. 10 minute episode. We got a, a candy dance party, uh, Finn diving and saving Princess Bubblegum, secret rooms, uh, Mystic Mountains, Enchiridions, and uh, there's just like a lot to digest in this episode. Is it weird? I mean, you, you mentioned it just now, the candy dance party. Is it weird that that bothers me some? I just based off of what you said in previous episodes, uh, Princess Bubblegum created all of these candies and she's just kind of using them for her entertainment. Like, she's just like, hey, y'all, we're dancing, you know, and it's her kingdom. 
I guess there's not really anything to it. I just I just felt odd about no, it. No, I, I agree with you. I think one of the first things I recognized in the episode is that Finn, Jake, and the candy people are, are partying down in the streets and Princess Bubblegum's like chilling up in a tower, like all by herself. It's It seems very narcissistic or... I mean, again, we, it's, that's not fascist in and of itself, but it really goes to show that she's like, she's like big sister keeping an eye on everybody, yeah. you know? You know who's in charge. And yeah. it's Princess Bubblegum for sure. But she's having a good time too. Yeah. There's, there's, n- there's never any maliciousness behind it. It's always just weird circumstances, uh, at least until we get to some of the later seasons. Then we really kind of start seeing yeah. the true dark side of Princess Bubblegum. But, Whoa. We digress because that's about the extent that she's uh, like really doing anything different. Yeah, in this episode. And she, she didn't have an excuse of I gotta go pee. It was just you know like she did in the past episode. It was just kind of like a hey, like Finn, here's a quest. Go after for the Enchiridion, like this really cool book, which I guess we really didn't. I mean, get all that much information on all things considered. It showed him. Uh, not a spoiler by any means, it was in the episode. It showed him how to kiss princesses, which uh, I actually really thought that was funny. Um, but it reminded me, I was kind of like trying to think of why it is that it showed, he happened to pull up on the one page, it says kissing princesses, but the candy person at the party was just like, hey, Finn, are you dating anyone? You know, uh, this show is just like once Finn to be making out with princesses. I mean, hey, that that's what happens, man. We were all 12 years old at one point when the hormones are raging. And so that's kind of what they're getting uh, across the point, I think, is that uh, part of Finn's quest and his adventure is adolescence and hormones and all that junk. Well, does the, does the, here's a question, not, not theoretically speaking, but just a curiosity. Does the book show you what you truly desire? Because that was, I was like, how cool would it be if it was related kind of like the mirror from Harry Potter, you know, where it shows the hero, it shows Harry what he truly, truly desires his family, you know, and, and does the book open up to the page that Finn truly like secretly, like subconsciously, he really desires learning how to kiss princesses. That's a good guess. Uh, not right, but a good theory. We do learn a lot more about the Enchiridion and its place in the adventure time universe. Uh, heading out of season four, going into season five, and it's it turns out that it's a it's a much bigger deal cool. than it makes. But uh, going back to the point of of what the Enchiridion is, I did a little bit of research prior to this episode, and it's actually the first uh, kind of time it's seen in in history as Enchiridion is is there's an Enchiridion of Epicetus, and for all you Latin nerds out there, uh, you can comment below of how I mispronounced that name, probably. Um, but apparently it was just a, a philosopher and a stoic from like the second century from Greece. Um, and he wrote like a, a handbook. So essentially Enchiridion is coming from the Greek word meaning in the hand or ready to hand. Um, and then also coupled with the word book in Greek. So truly Enchiridion is, is where we get the term a handbook. Um, and and that's why it is the hero's handbook. Oh, that's cool. Well, the, the hero's handbook starts off by saying, uh, don't kiss princesses like you kiss grandmas on the cheek or or your mother's or your mother's. Is that what it is? Yeah. It said, it said, uh, 
kisses to be, your mothers and grandmother are on the cheek. It's got to be some lip on yeah, lip action. Only lip on lip will suffice, I will believe suffice. is the terminology. I, I thought that was really funny. I know. I, I had to take a pause and read what he opened up to in the book, which was I, I thought was awesome. Yeah, it was too great. Well, something that was really cool was when uh, PB was fallen, we saw the snail. I actually saw it this episode. Nice. He, he caught her, and then right at the bottom, you just see the little snail waving. So... Uh, but we can move past that. I just, I, I think what I'm going to start doing for, for these episodes is only mentioning the snail when I see it. I'm not going to go back to previous episodes and mention where the snail was. It's just not, it's not good content. Uh, and it's definitely not cool. Yeah. And I'm here to be cool. I'm here to be cool. Uh, so Princess Bubblegum goes, let's get in. Uh, let's, let's, I've got something for you. You know, you did this heroic, um, saving of my life sort of you know who knows if she would actually have died and brings him into this room and shows him this viewing orb uh that allows him to see the Enchiridion and she tells him all about it and basically sends him on the quest yeah and I think that's that's awesome it's very D&D style like pretty princess you save her life she sends you on a quest like I think that's awesome that they and you start to see um and I've I've listened to other podcasts and stuff that um, Adam Mudo and Pendleton Ward, who were both uh, two of the main primary writers of the show, are just like ultra D and D nerds. Yeah, it's a it's a hero's journey through and through. I mean, we are very simply going to find an item uh, that has magical values of some sort. Um, that really, I guess, the only thing that's not hero's journey esque of this is that. There's no real purpose to the quest that we know of. It's just kind of like, hey, go get this book. It'll help you with your heroing. Uh, but there isn't anything that stands out to me as like, and bring it back. Like normally in a hero's journey, there's a like a fourth quarter of the hero's journey that kind of says, you go, you learn something, you come back, and you use what you learn to resolve the issue. Uh, and he's not really doing that in any way. It's kind of the episode just ends with them going getting the book and almost, you know, it's a Wizard of Oz scenario where the the mastermind or whatever isn't really the mastermind. It's Keeper from the, like, from the beginning, one of the greatest characters of this episode. He's just there and he was controlling this really cool demonic creature. Does it have a name? I, I don't think so. Okay. Well, the creature is really cool. Um... And, and kind of does like a Jinjutsu or Genjutsu from like Naruto thing on him where it, he hypnotizes uh, Finn into his own dream world. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I really loved what was going on there. Yeah, that's that's the, you're saying at the very end of his at the very end. Journey I'm hopping here. all over the place here. Yeah, well, let's we we can dive into it because like I, I mean we won't have to to hash everything out here, but we got the key. Um, and the key guy, we got the flying gnomes and the grandmas, we got the big giant, and then we have the dark magician at the end. So that, that's kind of, uh, highlighting what Finn's like perils in, um, oh, what was the, it was Mount Cragdor, I think was, was the name of the mountain. So yeah, I'll take your word for it. I don't remember. Something like that. Correct us in the comments below. Yeah. As I was watching the episode, I was like, I should really learn what this mountain is called. And I saw it over and over again. I just never wrote it down for whatever reason. Uh, But I, the best part, I mean, the trials are a lot of uh, proving that Finn is righteous, you know, and, 
and proving that he has what it takes to be a great adventurer. Is it proving that he's uh, righteous or not wrongious? Not wrongious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, perhaps not wrongious, but he goes and Keeper is the first trial and it's just this like a kind of adorable little thing and he's got this hat that's a key, um, you know, and I I thought his his trial was hilarious just simply because um, the way you solve it is picking him up and shoving him in the lock. Yeah, and I love how he mentions that that is not the first time it's happened. He's like, that's how people usually get through. Yeah, well, first off, what's up with Keeper? I mean, he sends this warning and he's like, uh, like if many have gone in, right? But then if you... Go in, none have come out alive or dead. It seems like there's all this hype about this tri- the, these trials that Finn's about the encounter, but it's almost anticlimactic in the sense that like, well, what happens? What happens to the people that don't make it? And then at the end, it's so friendly and so loving and there's a picnic and it just, it feels, it feels like it was planned to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely was planned if, if, Princess Bubblegum and all of them, like who else was uh there's the Manly Minotaur and Keeper and Manish Man. Manish yeah, Manish Man, the the Minotaur. And um Keeper, the gnomes, the grandmas, that fair warning, no grandmas were harmed in the creating the the making of this episode. This podcast episode. This podcast episode. Probably a lot either. of grandmas were hurt in the making of uh of that. But that brings up a good point that Jake does say at some point, you know, they never say if it's right or wrong. Like, is that all real or not? And he was like, oh, man, this is all test. This is all just to test you. None of this is real. Well, so, well, Jake is on top of it. It seems like there's something really special about Jake in this episode. He plays like an Obi-Wan type character or, or Gandalf-y type character where he's on the side. He's help. He's helping Finn's journey without kind of like removing uh, – the challenge for him, you know, except for the one part where he does, where Finn runs away from the gnomes because uh, he can't do anything to help the grandmas and he's just freaking out. And he goes in there and he just straight up, um, man, I mean, Jay just like maneuvers around every shot and takes out the gnomes like in a split second. Jake Jake shows himself in this this episode in um, a pretty remarkable sight. I mean, he, he does that. He survives stomach acid he immediately smells where the book is. There's just, I don't know. Yeah, what do you think about all that? I, I mean, I definitely could see since Princess Bubblegum put him up to this task. And if Jake's kind of playing sideline, it really does make me think that it was all really planned. There was a picnic afterwards. Like Princess Bubblegum wasn't sending him on a journey where she actually would think he would die. She just needed him to become the official hero to the candy kingdom and and kind of just being the rite of passage of you're old enough you can be you know my knight to the candy kingdom now well that totally just trumps uh my later segment theoretically speaking um it's exactly what i was thinking i was like she had to have planned this journey out i mean she knows the minotaur at the end you see her in the viewing orb and she goes and she's there at the picnic and she's like hanging out and she's asking why she can't learn the secrets of the book, you know, and um, it's very, it's just, yeah, it's it's so obvious that she had something to do with the planning of this whole thing. And the Minotaur doesn't even fight Finn. Yeah. You know, he's just kind of there to like, way to go. And he knows his name, like the Minotaur knows Jake and 
Ben's name, you know, immediately. And they had never met him before. Very muscular dude, though. I know. Did you not catch the artistic work when he flexed that there was a second arm muscle oh, yeah. within his arm muscle? I definitely caught that. Yeah, yeah. It was a little a little disturbing, uh, a little odd for children's eyes, I imagine. But uh, I thought it was a really fun thing to sneak in there, like, artistically. I just couldn't I couldn't add it to my, my sexy list. It just wasn't doing it for me. Not really. But it was very impressive. Yeah, sometimes uh, there's too much. There's a thing is too much muscle. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it was, it was a good episode. I mean, it's, it's such a straightforward episode though. Yeah. It's a straightforward episode with lots of good stuff. Cause I mean, overarching theme, like we said, it's about, uh, the difference between right and wrong. And that comes into the ethical dilemma of I'm, I'm saving these gnomes from a fire cause they're screaming for help. But when I save them, they are going to go destroy old ladies. Um, I'm going to steal, money from this giant because he ate Jake and, and you could tell the giant was like well shoot I, I already I already swallowed and digested him like I can't spit him it's like and, and Finn has to make a decision to be like the only way I'm escaping is to steal his money and he gives it back of course which is the righteous yeah. thing to do and then after he kicks him in the groin yeah. after he flies back nails him in the groin Jake survives the stomach acid just kind of rides it like a wave and Finn picks him up in midair and then they ride the the wind all the way to the top of the mountain. I mean, yeah. they skip whatever other trials would yeah. have been there. But I guess, you know, if they had sat there and done like four or five other trials, it probably would have ended up being a very long episode. Yeah, and it would have been a fun long episode for sure. But, the, but all in all, it, it is really about Finn having to learn that there is a difference between just like, being a hero is not just about like saving people. Being a hero is about like the ending, like ending good. Like what is the, uh, what, what is the, the phrase? Like the better, the better end to this all. Um, man, I'm just drawing I'm, a blank right I'm now. I'm drawing a blank as well. But uh, I think it's a good time though. They go right into an advertisement. What about, what do you think about that? A righteous advertisement. A righteous advertisement. Right on. This week's sponsorship comes from the Bubblegum Lab Co. Ever wonder why a mannish man's mustache is so manly? Well, wonder no more. The Bubblegum Lab Co. is thrilled to present mannish man's manly mustache wax. Now, with any purchase of any 120-ounce container of mannish man's manly mustache wax, receive two complimentary bottles of bubblegum beard oil at checkout. Use code MANNISHMAN at checkout. Get yours today. And we're back from a nice little advertisement break. How you feeling, Ned? I'm feeling a little, uh, a little aggressive after that ad. Oh man, I'm feeling hyped after that ad. Good. I, I want to go see some like a little bit of WWE wrestling. I want to, which is something that I've never wanted to see in my life, other than Macho Man Randy Savage and maybe one or two others, Ric Flair. You know, there are a few that I find really entertaining. But, yeah, Macho man, man Randy Savage takes on. Uh, Manish Man. Takes on Manish Man. I, the Manish Man, that's a really interesting way to get back into it. So Manish Man was voiced in a very manly, very, um, I don't know, almost WWE wrestler kind of a way. You know, I think our advertisement kind of alluded to our love of this character that's already in the show. Um, but I did look a little bit into his voice acting because when I heard Manish Man, I thought immediately to Groom Adventures of... Billy and Mandy, 
which there's a character in the show called your inner frat boy. And it's not the same voice actor. I really was hoping it would be. If you haven't looked up your inner frat boy, there's like a two minute clip of it on YouTube. He's hilarious, but a very similar sounding voice actor. The voice actor actually does voice Kakazu from Naruto, which if you're not familiar is one of the Akatsuki. And one of, one of my favorite characters, he's like this invincible, uh, almost Jake S character, but strings inside of him that allow him to stretch. And there's a lot more to it, but anyways, I was really hoping it was the inner frat boy guy, but it's not. So shout out to Fred, uh, Tedescori, I want to say his name is. He also voiced Hulk in a lot of different animated films and TV shows, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Nice. I mean, regardless, uh, you probably watched the episode and you're, uh, even if it's not the same voice actor of your inner frat boy, he, he probably gave you at least a memory or two of, of one or two frat boys you met uh, through college. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could just go on about the inner frat boy. He's great. Uh, so they... They arrive at the final tower, it feels like. We walk into this room, and then we're greeted by this very creepy, like, shadowy figure that teleports or hypnotizes Finn into what has got to be the, like, most... If this was real life and this happened to me, I would be freaking out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've had, like, some nightmares in the past as a child where, like, that was the epitome of the nightmare, a face that looks like the disturbed monster in a dark room and it's, it's yelling at you. <laughs> but it comes off as, you know, the Scooby-Doo thing where there are all, a lot of things in Scooby-Doo that aren't that terrifying, seem kind of silly. Why are they freaking out about it? But it's like, you put yourself in that position, like, man, I would be losing, I would be losing it, you know? Uh, but it's this cool kind of like, like I said, Scooby-Doo-esque face or whatever, and he's kind of watching over a couple extra trials. And the first one is against, again, if this was real, the hearts, it was like a giant heart. It was like a heart with ligaments with like a human arm. So disturbing. Yeah. it's I, Again, we are doing this podcast in general because <laughs> truly Adventure Time is a show made for kids to be digested by adults. And, and this kind yes. of monster, this kind of like scene, like I'm not sure if I would let a kid under five years old watch that, you know? No, and I don't know if there's a metaphor for that. Like the entire, all the trials were about Finn taking on uh, and these different trials and proving that he's registered, proving that he's capable of wielding and viewing the Enchiridion. Uh He's defeating an evil heart, which he confirms is evil, I, there's probably not a metaphor there or it's probably not like a, his inner heart or anything like that. But I can't remember what the words are when he like says, let yourself go and see a side of yourself that you've never seen before or something like that. So maybe, maybe there is something to that. Yeah. It's um, very like Star Wars esque. He's like really trying to get him to, to like turn to the dark side, like just do it, you know? And, do and it. that brings up a great point that, uh, this evil character is actually voiced by Mark Hamill. Oh man, that's sick. Yeah, like truly, and and, and they they allude to it uh, in more ways than one. It's this it's this very Star Wars esque emperor scene where uh, he's trying to make him turn to the dark side, and then when Finn strikes him down too, he kind of just disappears in his cloak, just like Obi Wan in Star Wars. Oh, definitely, and 
and not even that, but just like the uh, the unaligned ant, like you're saying, like he's trying to get him to turn to the dark side. He's like, come on, kill him, you know, like take him out, you know. He's like, well, is this is he evil? <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's neutral or, he's, or whatever he says is so great. It's funny because um, Mark Hamill actually voices a ton of characters. It's not like that's his first time in the voice acting by any means. I mean, he's been Joker uh, for the anime. Yeah, he was. Series he was. Uh, he was Joker in um, the Killing Joke, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he. I think he reprised his role for that one. He may have been out of it for a little bit, but. I I love his voice acting. I mean, we grew up with that Batman cartoon, you know, on, on I don't know if it was Cartoon Network or WSB. Oh, that was w, WB Kids, WB yeah. WB Kids, yeah. Uh, great stuff. But he knocks out the trial very... Uh, well, I'm going to drop a spoiler, spoiler drop here. Oh. That, that is not the last time we will see Mark Hamill voice a character in Adventure Time as well. So I wonder if he likes it. Does he like the show or is he just getting hired for these parts? I, I, I don't know. I need to maybe dig back through whatever 2011 Mark Hamill tweets there <laughs> might be out there. There might be something out there. I don't know. He does seem very active on social media if you followed any of the Star Wars beef over the past six years or yeah. so. He's very vocal about the work he does too. So I'm and sure that, feels, yeah. that if you uh, control alt uh, F find type in adventure time on Mark Hamill's uh, Twitter feed, there's going to be some, some Something. references to some adventure time stuff. I would imagine. Well, we get wizard of Oz and straight up who we think is the main bad guy is not the main bad guy. Like you said, disappears. I, I feel like keeper might have some crazy magical powers Last episode or the episode before, you mentioned certain inconsistencies with magic in this world and with certain characters' powers. And this episode really felt that way. Like, is Keeper able to hypnotize our main character through something that he is controlling as a third party? I mean, that would be really cool if Keeper is a low-key OP character. I need to, like, keep a list of characters that are just, like, like actually way too overpowered in this show. Yeah, I mean, who knows, man? He's got just got little devil pajamas and he's like, I'm just going to bed right now. He's, you know, he's so adorable. We, we don't necessarily even know if he's the one that forced Finn into the room and, and made him have the hallucination. Like maybe Finn was actually truly e- either in danger or, um, you know, if if he had failed the trial and had sl- slain the ant that was neutral, um, would he have just died? Turned evil? Would they, would crazy? the would the trial have ended and they would have been like you just didn't pass the trial? Um, never know. Yeah, well, you know, the keeper at the very beginning says things are not all as it appears, and then Jake picks up on that very fast. He says there's illusions when you're talking about like the goblins that can disappear grandmas or whatever and then one of the grandmas that were like, disappeared or destroyed is were sitting at, at the, the picnic, picnic with them yeah. yeah so again all of it princess bubblegum is just behind all of this i mean she she must have coordinated this effort to test finn and, and whether it was a real test or a, a not so real test was he really in danger was he not really in danger in that final room the final hallway and then once you get through the hallway you're good but definitely manage man the minotaur played almost no part in this even though he was what princess bubblegum hyped up like the book is protected by this manly minotaur then they're sitting at the table and he just kind of pulls it out of his pants or something (laughs) and pulls it up it was funny i don't know where he brought that out from but 
the the little picnic table at the end was a nice little re, like resolution scene, mm. even though again, Keeper even made spaghetti. He made spaghetti, but the the hero's journey just kind of cuts off there, and we don't really get to see Finn grow necessarily. Maybe he could read how the kisser princess, and now he's a, a master kisser. I think you're reading into the Enchiridion having the answers. Um, I mean, I'm sure it has. Uh, it's a handbook on how to be a hero. But let's be real, if, if the book has How to Kiss a Princess in it, but Finn just learned all these different things about being righteous and being wrongous and being a hero on the journey, I think the statement behind that is that the book itself is not Finn's answers to becoming a hero. It truly is the trials and tribulations and stuff that he goes through in order to become a better hero. And then the Enchiridion's just a... Uh, a bonus that he gets to kiss princesses at the end of the day, you know? So, so Finn is like, it was within you all along. Exactly. One of those kind of silly ways. And, uh, Oh, you were dreaming. It's kind of like one of those things, but yeah. I, I enjoyed it. This again, what is one of my favorite episodes so far. And I think it was, it was done really well. I, I wonder it felt kind of random. I don't know if we're going to go back into meeting new characters after this, but it felt kind of, out of place almost there's there's probably one significant character we haven't bumped into yet and i think that spoiler drop that she's coming up in the next couple of episodes is it marceline oh yeah it's definitely marceline okay well we we mentioned it with uh willow um smith marceline song yeah so I, i figured she had to be important she's the vampire right she's the vampire queen okay spoiler drop she is a uh half vampire half demon Half demon. Yes. So halfling? No, not a halfling. My D&D knowledge is almost playing in the part here, but not quite. Uh, That's awesome. I'm excited about that. And the funny thing is those demons don't even come from, they just come from a different universe, basically. It's not even like, uh, we'll we'll get into the Night of Sphere episodes down the road. Those are are some kind of, again, just absolutely creepy stuff going on. So, but yeah. uh, And we'll spoiler drop that. We'll spoiler drop that, yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah, yeah, we got we got a lot of stuff that I'm trying to reference that uh, you know I'm I'm trying my best to hold back with the Enchiridion stuff here because it it gets you know it hits the fan later when when the Enchiridion becomes important I'm I'm holding back you know all my might not to not to drop things that are going to happen in the future to you. Yeah, it's a weird balance between not spoiling it for me, letting my reactions be as genuine as it possibly can. And also keeping our fans who who are fans who we don't know yet. We haven't released a single episode. Thanks for listening, Mom. Yeah, Dad, awesome. I know y'all don't get what we're doing, but this is great. Um, keeping them entertained. You know, the people that have seen this show plenty of times, and or at least some of these beginning episodes. Um, it's it's a balance. We're finding it. We're figuring it out. Oh yeah, but. Yeah, I got for lessons, man. Uh, I just, I guess I'm caught up on kissing princesses because I've never kissed a princess before. Uh, when kissing princesses, you got to lip to lip it. It's all about the lip to lip action. Uh, cheek kisses are for grandmas or moms or whatever it was on the book. Um, Finn picked up that knowledge and so did I. Nice. I yeah. say my lessons for the show is if something's cute, shove it in a keyhole. Oh, that's a good one. Grandmas are expendable, apparently, in the universe of Adventure Time. Well, and in yet yeah, no, only Adventure Time, not not in our human world. 
Um, another lesson is apparently big money is hard to come by because he only loses one dollar. That loses his mind. That is an actual lesson for the human world. Big money is hard to come. Big by. Big money is hard to come by. But if you can find it, I mean, I am. I'm feeling rich just with this podcast. I'm feeling. I'm feeling like we got big money coming our way. Big money. And I want Finn to to swoop in on a paraglided big money. I don't know. I, that's what I want. Throw it right into my pocket. Why not? Someone's got to pay for this podcast. Um, and and then on a serious note, you know, lesson of the day is that, um, you know, just by trying to do the right thing, um, you know, most of the time when, when ethics are at play like that, um, I mean, this is, this is a blanket statement. I'm sure it doesn't apply to everything, but just, just Finn's uh, desire to do the right thing ultimately puts him on the path to being a righteous hero, um, having, you know, not, not giving up, uh, not just slaying the ant, even though it's neutral and it's the easy thing to do. And it would end the trial pretty easily that his, you know, just a, a desire to do righteous, you know, and we, we could go off on a whole religious tangent on, on that note alone, but, um, if your heart's in the right place, you know, typically that's going to lead you down the path to being a hero, you know? And how much of that do you think he learned from Tree Trunks? Is he learning that fast episode to episode or is it, it just pure coincidence that he kind of heroes in his own way in this episode? I would say, yeah, man, I'd say these are his formative years. I think that, that the show starts out with him at this age is because he's starting to become his own person. So, so I think that all, all, all these lessons that he's learning across these episodes will carry over. Um, and you'll really start to see Finn develop through the season. So maybe between episodes four and five, it's uh, maybe not a direct translation, but yeah, keep keep on keep on that train of thought, and and you'll start to see him grow like crazy. And I think he probably, my guess is, later in the later episodes, he probably would have second guessed some of his his decisions this episode. I think he probably made a few questionable decisions that worked out for him because he is kind of righteous or pure of heart or whatever, you know, and he's, he's going with his initial instinct here. I'm assuming as many of us do, as we get older, we start to second guess our thoughts and, and we start to struggle a little bit more. He's so impulsively, this is what I need to do and I'm doing it right now. Um, and I just, I wish we could all stay that way. I wish we could all stay kind of innocent and, and pure in nature and, you know, I, I have a feeling, like you're saying, he's going to grow up, he's going to have some trials, and he's going to start struggling a little bit, as we all do. Yeah, man. Well, I, I do want to know one thing before we kind of wrap up in, 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 I don't know if we have final notes before we wrap up just recording in general. I want to know your lovelies of the episode. I didn't I didn't actually take a lovely. Do you have a lovely? I have a lovely. It's got to be Cinnamon Bun, man. Cinnamon Bun. Cinnamon right. Bun just is the bomb, dude, and he is continually through in the show, it continually gets better and becomes just a badass character. So the, being being his first appearance in in this episode is super cool that he he's, that he starts out just going, "Guys, guys, I'm going to do a backflip." Well, all right. I'll have a lovely then. Play the sound bite. And that's the soundbite on my lovely. <laughs> Sorry, Deb, we played a little late there for you. Um, my lovely is going to be Keeper. Give, give, give me some sugar, baby. Because he's adorable. And it's really the interaction that went, won me over just now as I'm thinking about it with Finn when he, he shoves him in the lock. And he's just like, you just look cute there. And I agree. He did look cute 
when he was shoved into the log. Shoved into the log. <laughs> I hated I hated though that he went from so cute and then pulls his face down. He's like, You're oh, gonna face trials and perils like you've never faced before. Well, it gives it a little bit of a I guess it hides how perhaps insincere these trials were this episode. You know, it kind of hides that from the viewer. And I think it keeps us kind of ingrained in, okay, like his life is at stake here, you know? So, yeah. But do you notice he did a little fourth wall break there too? Where? Keeper did when they kind of go in there and he stares right at the camera. It's not a direct fourth wall break, but uh, it's very. Oh, when he pulls down the eyes? Yeah. Yeah. When he pulls his eyes down. Yeah, definitely. And and as far as like wrapping up my, because I've hinted at the hero, or not hinted, I've talked about the hero's journey a little bit, Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey throughout this episode, just a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and rank it up there with a couple other, this episode in particular, with other fantastic classical hero journeys like Enter the Dragon, uh, The Hobbit, the Hobbit, Dissolution of Smog. I'm messing up my own bit. And The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies. This is That's where I'm ranking it, right in there, right with the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Um, which isn't that bad. It's just, a, it's just an episode. He learns, Finn learns just a little bit more about the morals of life and himself than Bilbo Baggins does. Let's just say that. Just a little bit more. We got We got some Hobbit lovers up in here that I didn't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, Michael. Michael's Michael's over here staring daggers at Russell for for hate ripping on. I've on seen the, the first Hobbit. movie. I man, Lord of the Rings is way better. I need to read the book though. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Last last little thing, man. My beef. I'm bringing uh, a little bit of real world real world beef this episode. You did it last episode. I think it was last episode. Yeah. Um, my beef this episode is with the Pokemon Company. How can you be a 90 plus billion dollar company who was started from video games and not be able to put out a single video game that satisfies your massive fan base for years? I mean, I feel like it's been so long. This is, I don't know. I mean, I can get passionate about this, honestly. It's, I'm pumped about Pokemon Snap coming out for the Nintendo, not, the, yeah, the Switch. Um, I was like, Switch the old one, Nintendo Switch, and then also the Legends of Arceus that they just announced recently. I'm excited about that. I think they have their opportunity to prove themselves with a Breath of the Wild esque Pokemon game. Um, but man, uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee uh, and Let's Go Pikachu and then Sword and Shield were such letdowns. I just, I didn't even buy them, which is like really upsetting for someone who loves that franchise. So that's, that's, my, that's my beef. Come on, Pokemon Company. You know, maybe it's Game Freak, but whoever it is. I feel yeah. My 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 beef's just with Princess Bubblegum this week. I think if you got a ragey, rager, uh, you know, candy party going on in the streets of your own kingdom, you got to be down there partying with a man. Yeah, let it happen too. Don't don't cut it off. You know, I know the tower broke and you almost died. Keep it. Keep the party going. Keep got to keep the party going and just party with your peeps, man. Party so, with the peeps. I don't know. Maybe, that's probably not the last time I'll have beef with with Princess Bubblegum, but that is beef of the week. You know, I didn't have beef in that first episode, but I feel like, I feel like we've both. I know I've been beefing with Princess Bubblegum, just kind of like, not in this segment, but throughout the past couple episodes. Yeah, whether she's peeing to get out of an adventure, or you know, she's just being a fascist ruler of her own people. Yeah, she's got she's got something coming to her. She got issues, man. She does. Well, thanks so much, guys, for joining us on today's adventure. Again, my name is Diggity 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 DJ Nettie P. And I'm 
I'm Russell, and I'm super cool. We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with Russell J. Cools on this one. Yummy. Thanks for listening, guys. Holy schmaz, hammer cow! Those two jokers can really talk too much, can't they? Ooh, I'm ready to watch me a whole nother episode right here, right now. Everything they gotta say just makes me want to go on my own big old daggum adventure too. But you guys right there listening in, y'all tune in next week to listen to your pals Russell and Ned talk about the Jiggler on another rousing episode of Never Ending Adventure.